drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo. A desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Mike and I are really excited to introduce you guys to James Lawrence today. Uh, it's a really awesome episode, packed with lots of good stuff. Unfortunately, the sound quality in this one isn't 100%. Uh, James had to call in and he had to take care of some kids while he was uh, doing his recording with us, but we were lucky enough to get some of his time. If you stick around for the whole thing, we'll think you get a lot out of it. So without any further ado, here's Mike giving some background on James. For those of you guys who haven't heard about James, he's done some pretty incredible things. In his lifetime, and uh, in 2011, he broke the record for half Ironman races in a single year, and then decided that wasn't tough enough, so he went out in 2012 and broke the record for the most full Ironman races in a single year. In 2015, he did what a lot of people would say is impossible, and he ran 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. He's partnered with the charitable group Rods Racing, and when he isn't with his family in Utah, he spends his time running endurance races to help promote healthy lifestyles and prove all the naysayers wrong. Anything all, you want to add to that, Josh? All while being a father of five, which I'm sure you can hear in the background. It sounds like uh, you got a lot going on over there, huh? Yeah, this is always, uh, always a crazy household uh, with five kids, and my wife's got a lot of sisters, and so there's always cousins and everything over here. And so I apologize for some of it, but that's just how we roll. No, that's oh, awesome. Hey, no problem. That's great. Give some background on yourself. Tell a little bit about uh, where you grew up and give us a brief rundown of your childhood, maybe a little bit siblings and what your uh, – what your younger days were like? Yeah, you bet, man. I, uh, I'm actually from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, I, I, uh, I love I love being from Canada. Um, it, uh, I, but I do love living in Utah now. It's uh, it is warmer here, um, and I, I enjoy I enjoy golfing, um, and and so I uh, I, I do I, I love where I live. The mountains are fantastic here, and uh, just south of Salt Lake City, and uh, it's it's really really cool here. Um, I, you know, I grew up, I didn't have an endurance background and, uh, and I kind of wish I had figured out that I, I had a, a small knack for the, for this type of thing earlier, but I grew up, uh, I grew up wrestling, um, and we did uh, mostly freestyle wrestling, a little bit of Greco Roman, uh, but I wrestled for, for 10 years and, uh, absolutely loved it. Um, but you know, you get into, get into normal life and after high school and college, there's not a much of an outlet for wrestling and so mm-hmm. uh, unless you unless you get into to coaching or whatnot it becomes something that you did in the past <laughs> right and uh, mma wasn't huge 10 years ago i think that would have been a lot of fun uh, but you know I, di- I didn't i got into a little bit of running and then gravitated towards the biking side of things really enjoy biking um, getting more into the mountain biking side of things now that things have settled down a little bit but you know i got uh, i got three sisters no brothers and subsequently i that must be uh a path for me because now I've got uh, four daughters, <laughs> and uh, and and finally finally got my son at uh, he's six now. My oh, oldest daughter yeah. is is thirteen. That's awesome. And we're getting into that getting into that real fun age with the kids, where they're getting personalities, and I just love it. People people tried to warn me about you know heading into the the teenage years, but and I my wife and I we're embracing it. We've uh, we've got great senses of humor, and we're uh, we're kind of excited for this time period in our lives. So it's uh, it's fun. Next year, my wife was like, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta do some more training full time. The kids, kids will all be in school full time, so we'll yeah. see. Maybe uh, I yeah. think I've, uh, I think she's interested in uh, getting ready to do uh, a couple Ironmans next year. So that'll be fun to to start training with her again. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Actually, <laughs> I saw good. your uh, Instagram post the other day with you and kid, our car full of kids in the background, and you saying how excited you were for the years to come. I thought that was pretty awesome. So. It's yeah, everybody's so everybody's so scared of it, and I'm like, dude, let's go to a Justin Bieber concert. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So, kind of maybe um, touch a little bit about did they have wrestling in your high school, and 
when you're growing up, was it like something that you were really super into? Is that the only sport you did or were there other sports as well? Yeah. So I, I got into, into wrestling in, in junior high and I remember my coach, Mr. Cave <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then my high school coach, uh, Mr. Kimmick. And, and the, I mean, these two, de- these two dudes left massive imprints on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played some volley, and, you know, junior high, I played all the sports, but, uh, but once I got into high school, I really just said, you know what, I want to, I want to do wrestling. And, uh, and that's, and that's all I did. And they tried to recruit me for the football team and all these different things. Um, but I was like, no, I'm I'm focused on on just doing this. And so, you know, I had a I had a well-rounded background, but but really just gravitated towards wrestling. I love the 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 grit behind wrestling. I love that it's just one-on-one. And I think that's why I like triathlon too. I mean, it's it's I could draw a lot of parallels between the two. Just just mental toughness and and it's you against you know one other guy, and and really it's you about it's really about being a just you against yourself because you know you you have to you know really grind and really be mentally tough and and that that to me is an inward experience and and it's a lot like that with triathlon i guess i guess a little bit different because wrestling you've you've got one opponent um but but it's it's still training and everything is a lot um just you have to do it you have to do the work there there is no teammates or anything so i I love that aspect of it right and i and like you're saying you know a lot of wrestlers find that endurance training is is at least a little similar so when you when you first figure out that um you know maybe you could be pretty good pretty good at this good at this good at this whole hey you still with us mike you're kind of glitching out there a little bit am i is that any better right there yeah you're good there, there you're, you're okay. well, let me ask that question again then um so i i mentioned that a little bit that you know endurance athletes um Tend to like you said, it's a little similar to wrestling. So when did you first figure out that um, endurance training and endurance competitions might be something that is a good fit for you? Yeah, it, interestingly enough, um, I think everything that I've done in my life has kind of led to me doing these types of things. Uh, you know, wrestling growing up, it really, really builds your mental toughness. The sport either spits you out or 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 you get stronger mentally. You don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you know, back in two thousand. Um, 2002. No, no, 1999. I um I had an opportunity and I wrote a. It was a contest to see who could ride a, the Ferris wheel for for ten days. Um, just one of the big giant Ferris wheels at an amusement park, and uh, and I and I did that. And their their objective in the contest was was boredom. They wanted to to just drive you insane mentally, and uh, it didn't bother me at all. And I found the challenge quite quite easy, as a matter of fact. And, and I think it was is it was all of the things that that I did and, and the hard spots that I put myself in where I realized, hey man, I really have good control over my mind and and can do can do tough things mentally. And then and then I just you know it, it's something that a lot of people have, um, but it's like a, any skill you have to develop it and you have to continually put yourself in hard situations um, in order to to continue to become more mentally tough. And so, so triathlon, I started with just sprint triathlons and, and I, I would push the limits all the time. And, and once you start pushing the limits with speed, then you, then you want to try to go faster for longer periods of time. And that's kind of why I've evolved into half Ironman and full Ironman racing and then into these crazy endurance challenges that I put myself through. You got 40 kids out there that are going to go ride a Ferris wheel for 10 days now and think they can do the 50-50-50 challenge. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, to be honest, um, I want anybody to, to do these types of challenges because it, it has nothing to do with, with any record or anything. It's about the journey and, and what you learn about yourself along the way that's super cool. And I want as many people to have that experience as as possible, uh, and if you are listening to this and you're sitting on your couch, I don't, I don't care if it's 50 Ironmans in 50 days or if if your equivalent of that is is running around the block, dude. Just get up and go run around the damn block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's huge. I, when you talk to a lot of people about running or endurance things, and they think, you know, the the thought of what some like the thought of what you did is so daunting to them, but it's like. And they want to start off, and they're like, it's just so hard, but they start off too much, I think, sometimes, you know, and a lot of people, 
they try to think that if they can't run 45 miles straight on their first day of doing something that it's just not worth doing. So I think that's pretty uh, huge. Yeah, I think what people don't realize is I've been working towards not necessarily this goal specifically, but I've been working towards something like this for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I get emails all the time and they're like, hey, I, it was so crazy what you did. I'm absolutely inspired and I, I got off the couch and I'm going to go run across the country. And I'm like, man, that's incredible. Do it, but realize that you're probably going to get hurt. <laughs> and and I love I love big goals like that and it's amazing and it's inspiring, but the, the reality with big goals is you've got to put them into perspective and you've got to put the right time frames with those goals. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people, people don't realize that I started with a four mile fun run that I struggled through. And, and, uh, I mean, literally I got up off the couch and my wife said, let's go run a four miler. And, and I struggled, man. It was hard. And, and I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this be who I am. A guy that can't run four miles I mean, I'm going to kill myself and I've got these kids that I'm responsible for and so it is man you, you've got to get up and you've just got to start um, at the beginning and you've got to build and grow and learn and and I think people are too quick to get to the the finish line and there is no finish line um, it, it's all about landmarks and milestones and experiences and I know it's all cliche bull crap but it, it's it's true I mean you've got to you've got to enjoy the journey and I know everybody says that but having been on the other side of, of certain milestones and, and down uh, certain ways in my personal journey it really is it's about the experiences and the people and and everything else in between it's just people are just so quick to want to get somewhere and I'm like dude just slow down and, and progress and grow and love that's awesome that's great that's great stuff James so I went on a bit of a rant there. I'm sorry. Hey, no, it's perfect. That's exactly where we got you on. We want to hear your thoughts and stories. So, <laughs> dropping knowledge um, bombs. It's good. Dropping knowledge bombs all over the place. But um, so in 2000, in 2011, you, you went for your first world record. And, um, it, was actually, it was actually in 2010. But. 2010? Apologies. Oh, Mike. Uh, gosh. Hey, he's kicked off. You know, I can, only, I can only do as much as what's on the internet, you know? <laughs> so, um, but so in 2010, then you, you went for your first world record, and that was the, the half. Ironman record, yeah. And what? So when you first got in your head, like, hey, I'm going to set this world record. Um, what? How'd you plan that out? What were some of the things that you were thinking going through it? And uh, just kind of give us the rundown of that year, that first year breaking world records. Yeah. And what was the feedback too from your family when you when you came to them and you decided you're going to do this? Well, what's super cool about the 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 first one is I actually didn't set out to break a world record. Um, and and looking back, that record is, I mean, it's comical. It's comical. Um, and and, and it kind of happened by accident. We we were just, Don't I was they just doing a lot of race. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess the guy that the guy that eats fifty eggs in a minute or something. That's by accident, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. but, but I but I was just I was just sitting there, and we were I was working for a nonprofit organization. Um, in our own quiet way, and we, we we were raising money to build dams in Africa and to help the the feeding the uh, orphan feeding centers and and do some work with some women's groups. And um, I just wanted to, to try to get the word out, and so I was like, I'm just going to go do as many half Ironmans as I can. And um, and I didn't until about halfway through, I was like, huh, I wonder if this is some kind of endurance record or something. And just did some research, and it turned out it was. Um, and then I was just kind of like, oh, that, I don't really want to hold the record for half Ironman. So I looked into the full Ironman world record and because um, you don't want to be half of anything. And so uh, I, I looked at the full one and I was like, that's, that's something I want to go after. And uh, the record was 22 at the time. And uh, I was like, you know what, 30 sounds like a good round number. Let's go for that. That's awesome. So kind of as you're going through that, um, oh, I had a killer question off the top of my head and I think it just slipped my mind. So a lot of things slip his mind. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike, go ahead and take this one. I got to think about what I was gonna say because it's good and you're gonna like it. Oh, okay. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so before we talk, before Josh comes up with his brilliant question here, um, as far as the thirty Ironmans and you know, when you went through that, at what point did you say you know you finished the thirty Ironmans and you're sitting there going, well, hey, that was kind of easy. Let's go for fifty in fifty days. Yeah, it's it's funny. It was it was uh, 
race 27 in Arizona when I was pulling a boy named Dayton that has cerebral palsy. I don't know if you guys have seen that story at all, but um, Dayton loves to race and um, he just can't he can't walk or talk or swim or bike or run. And so I had an opportunity to to try to help him become an Ironman, and it was a super challenging day, super challenging day. And I, I became good friends with with Dayton, and his family, and um, and if you if you YouTube just Iron Cowboy and um, it's uh, it's it's a video put out by Filmingo, mm-hmm. which is F I L M I N G O Filmingo. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of a cool video, um, where where Dayton and I it kind of goes over the day that Dayton and I had, um, and we had some some unique challenges and and just just a ton of fun and a great story. But I remember we went to Ironman Arizona after that day and. I, I was nearing the end of the 30 Ironmans, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't think this is the end of the road, Sonny, which is who's my wife. And and uh, she was like, dude, you're nuts. Stop talking. <laughs> and uh, and I just I just knew that it, that it wasn't over, and, and I instantly thought, you know, 50, 50 Ironmans in 50 days would be pretty cool, and, and why not do it in all 50 states and take the kids and show them the whole thing? And And then once my mind gets going on something like that, I just can't turn it off. Yeah, and, uh, and it took, you know, it took us several several years to, to put everything into place that we wanted to have happen and just a mountain's worth of work. But I knew it was supposed to happen. I knew it was something that, that myself and my wife and our kids were, were supposed to embark on. And, and uh, man, we had so many highs and lows, but, but I, can't, I can't even put into words how worth it um, it's all been. Yeah, I can imagine, definitely. Um, and that, and that kind of leads me into the question that I would forgot about and now I remembered. Um, yes. So I wrote it down this time too. So I guess yeah. I guess what I'm what I get curious about when I hear that is like so you've done all these things for such amazing causes, and is it the causes that drive you and that are your why and what you're doing it, or is there something deep down inside you that kind of loves the the art of, or maybe art isn't the right word. I know there's some hipsters out there that get mad at me saying that, but the way uh, that you push yourself and like loves that feeling and then you're like well i also want to put a cause behind it or is the cause come first does that question make sense yeah totally i think there's there's many dynamics to it um and, and they both hold equal weight to me mm-hmm. um we, we love um partnering with charities and, and making that impact um there's just so much value in it and there's so many cool charities out there and um, that that i keep switching them up and and raising money for different causes uh, just because i think they're they're all they're all super awesome, and um, and I just on the flip side of that, take the charity side out of it or the element out of it, and it's, yeah, it's about pushing yourself mentally and physically. And you know, initially, I got a ton of backlash, and 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 you know, all the haters come out, and you can't do it, and all these pessimists and whatnot. And so I I set out on this journey to, to try to prove them wrong. And uh, and that's just not a, not a way to go about anything. And I found that that didn't motivate me the way that I that it should have, or the way that I wanted it to. And so I just I just set out to instead of trying to prove them wrong, to prove myself right, and to set an example for my kids. Mm-hmm. And and really, that's the that's the bigger why for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the charity work is super cool. I love doing it. Um, pushing myself mentally and physically is is a great challenge and a lot of fun. Um, but it's more about setting an example for my kids and teaching them that they can be and do anything that they want, regardless of what anybody out there is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that you know, Coach Ryan would tell Mike and I a lot, and our whole team back in college is that when things get really hard, you got to start thinking about people other than yourself. And it sounds like you found a really good way to do that. And I'm sure um, when things got really hard in that fifty-fifty-fifty, you could look back and kind of picture picture all the people that you're doing it for, and it kind of takes you past the edge, you know. Yeah, one of the best things that you can do, and you know, people always ask, "Hey, well, how do I get started?" and this and that. And my number one piece of advice is tell somebody, tell somebody you're doing it, and, and make yourself accountable to that person or multiple people. Mm-hmm. And and I had, you know, I I put it on social media, and I had a small following at the time, and you know, I told all my friends and all my families, and I, I got some sponsors, and all of a sudden you become very aware that that you've got some outside pressures. <laughs> Um, to keep you going, so that's a, that's a huge why. And, and if you're trying to accomplish something, don't don't just keep it under the under the rug. Uh, be vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Be vocal about it, and, and and be held to the fire for it. And I think that's 
that's a great way to start if you don't have a, a real solid why is just get some accountability mm-hmm. and, uh, and and put that on yourself. I mean, once I got out there you know, and I was doing 50, I was like, stopping wasn't an option. <laughs> I mean, it was just, as social media started to grow, this thing kind of took on a, a life of its own. Uh, I mean, there was just, it was choice, no choice. Um, I, I was either going to let a lot of people down or I was going to follow through with what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm on the backside of it and I don't have a huge goal right now. And so it's a lot harder for me to, to get up and, and go do something, <laughs> you know, to, 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 to continue to, to, get, to get up and work out every day and, and do, you know, whatever it is. And, and people think that just because I've you know, done something like this that I working out is super easy for me to do. I don't have any struggles with food and this and that and the other. And I'm just like, dude, I'm just like everybody else. And, and I struggle with all those things. And so I had to, I had to go out and set some new goals and sign up for some different races and rally some people behind me and get, you know, get people to do some stuff with me. I mean, I just, it's more fun. So if you want to accomplish anything, just tell people about it. Right. That's great. I, I love, and you know, I think that one of the things that, you know, you had some other people helping you on the race too, right? I mean, logistically doing 50 Ironmans, 50 days in 50 states, it's got to be, you know, pretty tough, almost near impossible with just yourself, right? I mean, can't be done. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not the guy that's up to tell anybody that something can't be done, but nothing, nothing in this life, big or small, is accomplished on your own. Um, yes, we have to take action and we have to do things, but at the end of the day, there's, there's somebody in the background that would be either supporting or helping or contributing or anything. And anybody that's out there just pounding their chest saying that they did everything on their own, they're in for a rude awakening one day because it's so far from the truth. And I don't care who you are, what superstar status you think you have, it's not accomplished without a fantastic team behind you. And yes, great work ethic, work, work ethic and execution all have to be there. But I guarantee you, anybody that's successful and, and is rising to the top is surrounded with great people. Yeah, definitely. Take us through that journey a little bit too then. So what your crew was like and what ending and beginning each day was like as you were going through from Hawaii and then you ended at Utah, right? Yeah, we finished in Utah. I mean, every day was super unique and super crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's, what's valuable about any journey is is not to be so rigid with how you're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Know what the destination is, but be flexible with the process and how you're going to get there because sometimes the way we draw it up and write it down on paper isn't the best way. And sometimes if we if we, we stick so close and rigid to the plan that we could be getting in our own way of, of better success or new ways to do things or creativity. And so the best thing I, I want people to do is, is to have a good plan and start to execute but be flexible and learn how to pivot because that's what we had to do out there every single day. And we had it all written out for what it was going to look like and, and the flow of each day. And inevitably, something happened every single day that took us off that course. And we had to figure out how to keep moving forward. Did you and, ever and doubt yourself? It, you know, I, I didn't doubt myself. Um, and I think one of the best things that happened is, is we were slightly unorganized um, just because we had no idea the level of exhaustion that we were going to be. And so there wasn't a lot of time to just sit down and, and really evaluate, hey, am I, you know, we didn't have that downtime to, to kind of even let doubt creep in. It was just execute, 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 and figure out how to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And I was surrounded by, you know, two wingmen, Casey and Aaron, who did an unbelievable job. I don't know when these guys slept. I mean, they drove me through the night. They were up all day. They were getting everything I need. My wife did an unbelievable job taking over um, – management jobs and, and managing social and sponsors and um, my sponsors were also fantastic um, and sending people out and helping and uh, Young Living was huge, Ultra was huge, Fazari, um, Zido, uh, there's just some really cool people that collaborated behind us and um, we had a film crew in and out, um, Dr. Dallas, uh, Dallas Macon was my chiropractor, was him in, that, him in and out of town. Mm-hmm. Adam Rasmussen, who did a lot of my massages. Um, good friends, Carly and Brittany, and 
I mean, there was just some really great people that came out and helped us. Rivers, Tommy Rivers, who's an amazing ultra runner from Arizona. He kind of, I met him on day seven of our journey and um, had a relationship with him through ultra. And he joined, he said, he said, I want to, I want to be involved with this. You guys need my help. And he, he joined up with us in New Jersey and did the, the second half of this thing with us. I mean, it was just, it was because of all these people and amazing support and really the ambassadors that we had in every single state. I mean, we, I had to recruit people from across the country because I don't know the lay of the land in every state. And I don't know which roads are best and whatnot. And so it could not have been done. I mean, we had hundreds, if not thousands of people that, that came out and supported and, and did everything. We ranged anywhere from, from 50 people in a state to, to 3,500 people. Um, it was just, it was just amazing that the support and everything that came out. Like I said earlier, nothing like this gets accomplished. Uh, without an amazing support group. That's great, James. I, I, I really like that, um, you know, when you're talking, you make sure, and it's always, especially earlier we were talking about nothing's accomplished by one person, and um, I think it's really genuine. It's really good thought that to be, just to be grateful to other people for, you know, and, it, and a lot of it is your own grit and willing, you know, and ability to continue pushing forward, but Knowing that other people were there behind your back and being grateful for that, I think is the key is a big key for anybody in in any sort of business or athletic event, endurance events, things like that. So I really think that's awesome. I love that. Um, you know, you, I can hear your gratefulness coming through to the people that have helped you along the way. Yeah, I think I think it's a quality that I see among like some of the most successful people you ever listen to talk in interviews or anything. It's always. You know, the really great ones always put the accountability on the people around them. I think it's because they understand and value the relationships in their life that get them to where they are. And it sounds like you are um, no doubt in that exact same position. So that's really cool to hear for sure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. Um, and then, so kind of, I know that you had a big bike crash at one point. What number race was that on? And then kind of take us through when that happened. You had like fallen asleep while riding. Is that right? Yeah, I know it sounds absurd, but um, I think the we, fifty I, fifty fifty sounds absurd. But I, they can. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's hard for a lot of people to comprehend, you know, falling asleep while riding on a bicycle. But mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the things that we knew would happen, but didn't not to fall asleep on the bike, but just fatigue. We knew fatigue would happen, but we had no idea to what level mm -hmm. um, the entire crew would, would feel it, um, and myself and. And I was so exhausted by day four, um, just battling the fatigue on the bike, you know, because you start in Hawaii and you do, you know, we had to start at midnight in order to catch the plane from Hawaii to Alaska. And so did the first Ironman, flew to Alaska, did the second Ironman, flew to Washington, uh, did the third Ironman. So three Ironmans, three days, a total of seven hours of sleep. Uh, on an air on an airplane is not awesome, and so it's not. So, so you know, you go to day four and you're just exhausted, and it starts to catch up with you. And the adrenaline and the excitement of the project is is gone, um, and now you're dealing with a grind. And uh, and yeah, so it's like battled and battled, and, and it was very tough mentally to try to figure out creative ways to to stay awake. And, and initially, you know, you're in such a such a bubble when you're doing this and you're trying to figure things out and when you're that tired you're not thinking straight and I, I was trying to figure out man why am I falling asleep on my bike is it food is it nutrition am I eating wrong and so I'm trying to figure out all these different things and I mean it's just heh, the obvious thing is you're not sleeping enough you know we're averaging four hours of sleep a night mm -hmm. and um, and yeah day 18 I just lost the battle, and uh, and I fell asleep at mile about mile thirty in Tennessee, super hot day, hundred and six degrees outside, and uh, and I and I yeah I crashed I fell asleep and crashed, um, and so it was a it was a pretty good setback. I did some had some good road rash and I did some significant damage to my hip, and I had a I had a decision to make right there. Am I gonna you know pack it in? That fell over my bike and. Or am I going to get back on my bike and ride 80 more miles that day with a busted up hip and, and obviously in a lot of pain um, and then try to run the marathon that night? And then I did. Um, I made the choice to go do that. And then uh, there was a lot of travel to Mississippi the next day. And so 
our main vehicles had left to go ahead um, to get to the next state. And so after I crashed and finished the, the 112 miles around the marathon, um, I literally stuffed myself in the back of a Subaru um, for that long drive through the night. And so I didn't sleep at all that night. Um, trying to get to the next state, and then I had to get up again and do an Ironman again the next day on, on day number 19, and then obviously had 31 more consecutive Ironmans to do and figure out a way to, to get that job done. And so, you know, it's it's experiences like that that you – that's what I wanted. And I, and I'm, trust me, I'm not complaining. Those are the experiences that I wanted. I wanted to find out what happens when – I came up against some, you know, real intense adversity and some mental and physical limits. Um, that's what I wanted. I wanted to find out what I was made of. And um, I mean, you, you, you're not going to truly find your limit. You know, finding your true limit of, of consecutive Ironmans would mean, okay, do an Ironman every single day until you die, <laughs> or until you physically don't get up the next day and do it. That, that's your limit, right? Until you quit. Um, but I, I can truly say that I, I found my limits to satisfaction. Um, Meaning I got to a point physically and mentally where it was like, okay, you need to make a decision. <laughs> are you going to pack it in or are you going to continue to try to play your man card and keep going? That's great. I think that, you know, that's what um, Coach Ryan and uh, Chet, another guy who we're planning on having on the show, would call being curious. And you're just kind of curious about how far can I go? What can I do? And um, I think that's a key part integral part to anyone who accomplishes big things is wondering, you know, believing that they can, but at the same time wondering, I wonder how far I could go. Dude, I love that. Be curious. Yeah, you'll hear, yeah. between Chet and Tom, you'll hear some of the the most, I don't even know the words I'm looking for, but some of the most substantial statements come out of their mouth. It's amazing when you listen to them talk, kind of just says, it's like small things like that hit you and you're like, man, that's awesome. That's a great way to look at life, you know, which is cool. Well, I think I think far too often people are complacent and they they get into the the, the routine of life. And and one of the things that I like to talk about is facing fears. I think people are so scared to do something new because they're scared of of failure and they're scared of um, you know maybe growing or or experiences. I don't know. They're scared of um, and, and trying new things. But I love that. It's like be curious and and see. See what happens on the other side, and, and maybe you'll like it. I don't know. I love that. Be curious, man. Thanks for that one too. Right, it's really good. You know, it's one 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 example he always uses is you know you're wrestling somebody really good, like with Logan Steber, who was a four time NCAA champ in the room, and you know having him in the room was always great. But you go and say instead of man, be, instead of being scared and being fearful and thinking man, Logan's so good, he's I, I don't know if I I don't think I can beat him. Just ask yourself and be curious and say, I wonder if I can take him down. I wonder if I can beat him. And I think the same thing applies to running. Like, hey, I wonder if I could do 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. Yeah, and that's what I want to do. You know, you hit on a really good point there, too, as, as far as, like, maybe being scared or, or comparing yourself to, to that guy. Um, and more, often, more often than not, what happens is, is we do. We compare ourselves to others, and I think we almost limit ourselves by what our potential is. You know, because the the... The current standard of wow, when you know, kind of before this, was the Epic Five, the five Ironmen in Hawaii, Hawaii, uh, five consecutive Ironmen, one on every island in Hawaii. And so, so you know, why wouldn't why wouldn't I try to do ten or fifteen or twenty? And and I chose to do thirty, because I wasn't comparing myself to the current standard of wow. I, I thought to myself, okay, if this is the current standard of wow, I need to times up my ten. And now, now let's go for that. And I think that's far off and. Or more often than not, people just limit themselves because they're comparing themselves to what's currently out there, or whatever the standard is. And I think when people try to reach that standard, they're limiting themselves as to what they could actually accomplish. That's awesome. Absolutely agree. So how has your life and how have things changed for you since you've completed the 50-50-50? Is it... Um, in terms of coaching and, and what your goals are next and where you're headed from here and um, take us even to like personal family things as things have things changed amongst your family and, and any details like that? Well, yeah, you know, lots has changed. Um, we, we've, we've made as a family uh, every decision that, that my wife and I did, we would try to involve the kids with and, 
um, you know, they were really little. And so I think it was a great time to take some risks um, and go out. And we had to make a lot of financial um, sacrifices. And we kind of looked at it as if, okay, dad's going back to school and he's got to make some sacrifices. And, and I was going to the school of hard knocks and life experience to, to try to put this together and, and do this. But it was like going to school and, and we had to make some, some sacrifices and downsize and sell some things. And, and time, times were rough. <laughs> and, and I think... And your daughter went to school with you for a little bit there, didn't she? She did every 5K at the end of those 50 Ironmans with you at 12 yeah, years old? She, yeah, she realized that, that I was struggling and, and I needed family support. And she, as a 12-year-old girl, she stepped up to the plate huge. And uh, and she says, Dad, you know, we, we can do this. Let's do this together. And every single day at 7 o'clock, she ran a 5K with me every day. So she did it I don't know how many miles that is, but she, uh, she again, it's teamwork. So you're not doing anything on your own, and she realized that. And so, but what's super cool is it's brought us, you know, much closer to family because we went through some some difficult times, and and we we want this together. And and I, I love I love adversity because um, you learn to appreciate the good times so much better. And so I've got some friends that are going through some hard times, and I'm like so excited for them because I know hopefully what it's doing to their relationships, and if they continue to push through this, I know that the good stuff that is is coming as far as bringing them closer together as a family. And sometimes things get hard, and people don't handle it well, and they don't, they don't get to experience that. So you know, I think I think adversity is great, um, and I think it shows what kind of person I really are. And then, you know, things have gotten a little bit better for us financially, and um, it's really launched my, my coaching platform that I've been doing for a while. And anybody that is curious, I'll throw a little plug. You can go to tlandcowboy.com and um, you can check us out. We do a lot of running and triathlon coaches. Uh, coaching partnered with uh, incredible author, Matt Fitzgerald, and my personal coach, uh, David Warden. And he's just a, just a genius. And right now we've got uh, a bunch of coaches in that team information. It's a lot of fun, but we've been doing that, and I've just had a really, really cool um, opportunity to go and speak to, to different groups and colleges and universities and businesses, and it's just been a lot of fun. And I don't, I don't, I don't get up there and try to slam down some canned messages to you, and, and people will say, well, what, what are you speaking And I'm like, uh, I just tell my story. Um, and I want you to get out of it what you're ready to get out of it at the time. Mm-hmm. Life is, is life is interesting. It's about perspective, and it's about uh, you know how you are up with your life at the time. And my story is going to impact you in a different way than it's going to impact somebody else. And if I'm trying to shove a lesson down your throat, you may not be ready for that lesson at the time, and it's going to be a, a pointless. Uh, a little bit of time for you, and so I just I get up and I share my story, and I hope you can get what you want. <laughs> Sounds like a party over there, James. Yeah, I'm just telling you guys. Hello. <laughs> they're they're about, they've now gotten out sleeping bags and they're sliding down the stairs. <laughs> I used to do that when I was a kid all the time. Yeah, so it's a. It's he an still indoor. does it as a grown adult. Dude, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I can't wait to get out of this call and jump in a sleeping bag right now. <laughs> That's huge. That, that, see, I, I keep writing down all these key points because, you know, we're hitting Columbus as our target audience. You know, we have a lot of listeners from Columbus, and it's kind of like they wonder sometimes why we bring people from outside, and it's because of points like that. Like adversity helps you appreciate the relationships in your life, and I think some people, whether it's an entrepreneurship or it's just – Anything that you're looking to accomplish, you're, some people fear adversity, and I think it's one of the greatest things that you can embrace. And I haven't even accomplished anything really in my life yet, and it's like, it's just, it, it. I've already learned so much from it. It just really brings you closer to the people that you go through those hard times with, which is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, just what you you said, you haven't accomplished anything yet, but you're accomplishing a lot just by learning that lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's great about life is we all have to go through life and learn the same lessons. And I, I, I chuckle on the inside sometimes because the, the same crappy things keep happening to, to the same people. And I'm just like, dude, 
wake up and be present and learn the lesson that you need to learn so that crappy thing can stop happening to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we've, all, we've all got to go through life. And it's, I'm like, how many times do you just want to bang your head against the same wall? I mean, that's just get through that wall and get on the other side of it so that you can tackle the next wall. But and I think that that's a valuable lesson in itself that, you know, you've, you've just got to... You've got to get through life and you've got to learn things. And so just be present and if crap keeps happening to you, open your eyes and start internalizing things and applying them to your lives and learn. Learn things and progress and grow. It's just the beauty of this. Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome, James. So we're talking, you know, getting getting towards um, the end here, but wanted to ask you quickly about a couple other things. Uh, one thing I saw on your Instagram is um, Spuddy the Potato. And I wanted to ask you, what's up with Spuddy, and you know why? Why you bring him running with you? <laughs> yeah, the one. Of the, it's funny because potatoes have a little bit of a bad rap, and um, <laughs> I I love potatoes, and and I do. I eat them every single day, uh, and it was a huge part of my my training and, and racing. And so, um, I, it's funny. Idaho potatoes reach out to me. They're like, man, we see you eat a lot of potatoes. Would you would you mind? Carrying his funny buddy around with you and doing some stuff, and so just for fun, we we do that, and, and he gets to come play with us a little bit. And um, it's, I'm just an advocate of potatoes, and I, I, it's funny. It's it's part of my daily routine. I make hash browns every single morning, uh, and I have breakfast with my kids. Um, and so it's just just a huge part of our our daily routine. But yeah, go buy some other potatoes. <laughs> Shameless <laughs> plug. That's awesome. Shameless plug, right? Yeah, <laughs> love it. And then the other thing I wanted to ask about was, um, you know, the, your current partner, uh, Rods Racing, and I saw on their page that your your goal is to raise a million dollars for them. Is that correct? Yeah, it is, and, and it's it's to raise a million dollars for charity. And so they're they're just a, a current partner of mine right now, um, and and like I said, I jump around from from different charities because I think they all have a ton of value. Um, and Rods is really cool and unique in the fact that they take these Down syndrome children from these um, areas where these kids are perceived to have no value and they're left in these orphanages to literally die. And, and what Rods does is they'll find a loving um, family here stateside that wants to adopt one of these children and they will raise the money to fund that adoption and they will bring that, that orphan that would normally not have a chance in life to, to, to grow and to to be a you know a vibrant child and, and grow to be an adult and then they place that with the, with the with the family and it's just an absolute blessing for the, the parents who get to be a part of this child's life and, and also for the child who you know it's an opportunity to be part of a family. It's so all the money that, that is raised, hundred percent of it goes to place these orphan down syndrome kids with loving families. That's awesome. That's a huge cause. Right. Yeah. And like like you said, James, there's a lot of causes out there that that are worth spending money on, and they're worth helping out. So, if um, any of our listeners out there, if you've got an idea and you want to help somebody, just go do it. Find a way. And the first Absolutely. step is, and the first step is looking at and figuring out the best way to contact people and find a cause. Do what you know you can do. What James is doing and run endurance um, runs. You or find whatever you do best and find a way to help people. Yeah, definitely. Bring your talent some more value to the world. Um, Absolutely. Kind of one of the final questions I had for you, as uh, Mike came up with this one, I think it's a good topic to talk about. A lot of doctors out there, and there's so many studies, and you know, I like to run a lot, and a lot of people always push an email to me and stuff that say how horrible it is for you. Um, do you feel like endurance sports have you know hurt you in any way, or do you feel like they've helped your health, or what's your take on those those kind of articles? Oh, you know, I could find an article that says positive or negative on any on any subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is, I, I can't possibly see how physical activity is is bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, is fifty Ironmans in fifty days um, not super healthy? Yeah, probably not. That's that's <laughs> to the, that's very much to the extreme. And, and I was experiencing some things that that doctors and whatnot have absolute concerns about. But the reality is, is I think people are just looking for excuses not to be physical. It's, it's borderline entertaining to me that, that these articles and, and points of views are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's awesome. I'm going to sound clip that portion and send it back to every person who's ever sent me an article about how bad running is. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so talk a little bit, too, just one last thing before you before we part ways. What is your diet like currently, and did it change during the 50-50-50, or were you always really health conscious? Um, and were you always, I believe you're like mostly vegan. Is that correct? I believe I read an article where it said you, you're 85% vegan because it's hard to be full. Is that what it is or? Um, no, I'm, I'm actually, I actually really enjoy meat. Oh, okay. um, but I don't, yeah, I um, <laughs> yeah. we're both. No, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff written that's about everybody that's not a hundred percent accurate. I'm actually eating the orange right now. Um, I know it's not me, but. Probably the same uh, author as those crappy running articles, writing all this stuff. Yeah, pro- probably crappy content. No, the reality is, is um, I believe in moderation in all things, and that we should eat a very well balanced, um, well balanced uh, diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any of the diet fads are bad, or any extreme way of eating is bad. I think all fruit is bad. I think all. Just vegetables is bad. I think all meat is bad. I think all fat is bad. I think all carbohydrates is bad. I mean, there's all of these fad, di- all protein is bad. I mean, you can't go all one thing and have a balanced diet. There's going to be flaws somewhere in something that you're missing. I'm, I'm, I'm a religious person. My wife and I are religious, and, and we joke and we say, just eat Jesus foods. Meaning, if it's on the earth <laughs> and it has an ingredient and it's the only ingredient, eat it. It's like I've heard. I heard somebody say, "Hey, don't eat, don't eat the avocado because it has a ton of fat in it, or don't eat the well, don't eat the banana. It has sugar in it." I'm like, "No, it's called fructose, and it's combined with fiber." You know, so it's just I'm entertained just by these people. And one of my partners, Matt Fitzgerald, is a fantastic author. Go check out his book called Diet Cults, um, and he talks about all these massive extremes, um, and then. Um, he has he's come up with a way of eating called agnostic eating, which is exactly that. It's it's eating a balanced diet across the board. And you know what? It's okay to have a treat every so often. I'm I'm actually anti these like very aggressive. You have to be perfect type of eating and shoving it down your throats because you know what? Guess what? I live in the U.S. and it's a the, it, the American diet is around us. But I don't have to gorge on it. I can enjoy a cupcake. You know what? It was my daughter's birthday this weekend. Yes, I had a cupcake. Um, and, it's, and it was delicious. And anybody telling you that sugar does not taste fantastic is lying to you. Um, <laughs> they're, just full, they're just full of crap. And You're so, preaching to the choir, dude. Love no, totally. So, Josh, will eat a whole, Josh will eat a whole tin of brownies on, on a Sunday, though. He, I th- he, goes, he goes way overboard more than one cupcake. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to take well, things that, to the extreme. Yeah, sometimes, right? You're talking to the guy that did 50 Amarin. The reality is, <laughs> the, the, the reality is, is I, but I bet you Josh got off on Monday and got back onto his routine and it was great all week. And then on Saturday or Sunday, yeah, he ate another tray of brownies, but that's okay because he nailed it throughout the week. And that's exactly what I talked about is having, it's okay to have a B plus average with your eating. And it's, it's most destructive when someone strives for perfection and they nail it. They are the most stand up we'll just call it vegan for lack of a good example, but they're vegan for 28 days and, and they're perfect and then they suck for six months. 
And that's just, it's so destructive, an A plus and F minus model. And if you were to look back and get up after a tray of brownies and just go, whoa, that sucked. I probably shouldn't have done that. And then be really good for the next five days. And then be a train wreck for one day. Don't be a train wreck for six months. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think if you look back under a year and you go, you know what? I'm a B plus average. I only put on three pounds this year instead of putting on 18. You know, and it's just getting destructive with it. That was a massive tangent at the end of this. But um, I, I think just people get it wrong. And it's okay not to be perfect with your eating. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to fall off as long as you, and it's like that way with everything. It's okay to slip as long as you get right back up and keep going. And in my defense, if you take the whole brownie out of the tray at once, it's only one brownie. So it's, <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's Definitely. science. It's science. I like it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, you know, I think that's, I think we're kind of wrapping up here, James. And um, if you're ever in Columbus, let us know. I'll take you over to the uh, Scarlet and Gray Golf Course here. The, uh, Ohio State golf course. I saw you, you mentioned earlier, you like golf. Dude, I'm pretty big golf. golf for myself, so. Oh, sweet. I just came back from a good turn. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'll take you up on that. If I come to Columbus, let's, uh, let's get on the wrestling mat. Let's do some golfing and let's, uh, let's have some fun. And let's eat some meat. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.